Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, is my friend and professional better. You know him as So Money Sports on Twitter and So Money. We're looking ahead to the Game 3s of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we're going to start with a team that has just treated us like crap. Uh, the Boston Bruins, they're minus 135, heading home down 0-2. To the Carolina Hurricanes coming back plus 110. The over under here is five and a half. I think the score lines have flattered Carolina a little bit in the series, but I don't think you can argue that the Bruins being down 0 2 is, is that egregious, right? Like you, you and I have both been betting the Bruins. We both have been talking this team up going into the playoffs. Um, and I just think when you look at those two games as a whole, if, if someone said, Does Carolina deserve to be up to nothing? I don't really think you can argue with them that much. You can sure say like, oh man, the Bruins maybe in that game one deserve better, um, but they're, they've kind of wilted uh, in the big moments of these games. So it's a tough one to, to buy back on, on Boston. They're minus 135 here. I think that's a little high, actually. Um, I was a little surprised to see that number. Jeremy Swayman's coming in. I think he should be an upgrade over what Linus Olmark's given them. Although I would say Olmark's, He's not been the reason the Bruins have lost. He hasn't given them the big save, let's say, but uh, he, he, it's not his fault the Bruins are down 0-2. I think it's it's a team-wide effort. They'll be missing Hampus Lindholm uh, almost certainly, which takes a big bite out of the top four on defense for Boston. So it's a tough one to back the Bruins here. I think this was a pretty easy pass for me and just hoping Boston can claw back into the series given uh, you know the amount of bets I've made on them in Stanley Cup futures and series lines. Yeah, I would I would agree with everything there. I think that the better team right now is up to nothing. Um, what we're seeing as the games go on is we're really seeing what we saw all season from Carolina, where they're they're a really in shape, well conditioned team. As the games are going on, they're taking control of the game. Um, we've talked about this in the regular season, where the Bruins just go through these periods where they can't generate any offense. And that's that's where they are right now. They're in they're in one of those periods. How do you break out of that? Well, they try to put all the top guys to uh, on the top line together, 
they're they're just running out of time. Um, I agree with you. I don't think Allmark was to blame for the losses, but but in this matchup, if you're the Bruins, you're not good enough for your goalie to be average, right? They they need something better. You know that Swayman is gonna give you something at least average, so you're taking the chance that you'll get that little bit more from him. So I do agree with the move uh, to Swayman, even though I don't think that you can pin this on Allmark. In terms of the line, I think it's a fair line right now. Um, I agree with you for with with passing on the game right now. Now that said, if we move past this number, we know that it's it's going to create value on the Hurricanes because moving past this number at this point, even with Lindholm out, it's just going to be narrative based, right? So like you have a team down 0-2 coming home and all that. So I think that I'm closer to the Hurricanes at this point, but. We'll see um, if there's any more uh, Bruins money that that uh, comes in first. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if this number does stick up on Carolina, uh, it'll be the Canes here uh, for me too. Let's move on to the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning. The Leafs were are now even money uh, underdogs going to Tampa, coming back minus 120 for their first home game of the series. The over-under here is six and a half. After game one, I said, we didn't really learn anything about these two teams in terms of this environment, this series. And I don't know if we learned anything from game two, because this series has been a ton of special teams. Both teams have got out to uh, big leads in pretty early in the third period. Um, that Andre Vasilevsky, I think, has, has started to show uh, he's getting back to his world-beating form. I know he gave up five goals and three goals, so that sounds a little strange. But if you watched the early parts of the uh, of game two, you saw vintage Vasilevsky and that's not good for the Leafs. Cause I think Campbell at the other end of the ice, while he was pretty good in game one, he didn't have much to do and then started to show some, some cracks in the armor in game two. Also that middle six of the Leafs uh, hasn't really showed up much. Uh, William Nylander has been good, but outside of him, uh, you know, John Tavares has been MIA. The Leafs are really struggling to find the right combination uh, in the, on the fourth line. The, well, the, lightning with or getting production out of you know Corey Perry and and the likes uh and his line mates so it's like a strange series because I think you, then you look at top of the lineups and Matthews and Marner have just been so good while uh Steven Stamkos and you know Andre Palat in that line the lightning's number one line at five on five at least has, has struggled so what I'm trying to say is like there's there's like a hundred different things going on in the series and then they kind of all just come out that yeah no this is the the margins of the series are just super thin and it's it's close to a coin flip so even money right now on the Leafs, I think is a little too short, but if it goes to, you know, if it gets above that, like, you know, goes to 110, I think I'd be on Toronto. Um, anything for you here, Toronto and Tampa? This is such a tough series to get a read on because they're just not playing five on five, right? Mm-hmm. So we expected a much better result from Tampa Bay in game two, and we did get it. I felt that the score, the final score actually flattered the Leafs a bit. And I think that um, Tampa Bay was was much better in that game. This game and this series, essentially, at the risk of oversimplifying, it comes down to the following. If you think that this is a different Leafs team capable of bouncing back like I do, you bet on them in the games and you bet on them in the series. If you think this is the beginning of the same old Leafs, you bet on Tampa Bay as a short favorite. So I think that this is a different Leafs team. I've been saying that for a while. Even though they didn't look good in game two, I think that if they can get Spezza in the lineup, I think that, I think that's going to help create some speed there. So um, I do 
I do like the Leafs um, in in Game Three. I do think that Tampa Bay is going to take some money, and um, and like you, if the Leafs become a slightly bigger dog here, I will be backing them again in uh, in Game Three. Yeah, I think it's 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 funny. You're talking about like same old Leafs stuff, and last playoffs, the the whole narrative was that the big guys didn't show up, right? And the big guys did show up now, and now it's kind of the argument is that the top, the Leafs are too top heavy and they're not getting the production from the supporting cast. Uh, and I think what that bears out a little bit, and, and maybe we'll, we'll see if this, this holds true in games three and four, if, if things stay at five and five a little bit more is the lightning are just so good at winning the, like the little moments in a game, right? Like whether it's a, you know, a face off, they need to win in, in their own zone off a long shift that maybe off an icing or something. If it's uh, just, winning a puck battle to, to extend an offensive shift. They, they kind of just are so good at those things that they, they won't, they just never make life easy on you. Uh, and, and another thing I, I thought looked good for Tampa Bay was uh, in game one uh, after game one was they, they seem to be a little bit more conservative in game two. Um, and I think that really benefits them to play a much safer game against, you know, there's 32 teams in the NHL. The Lightning are probably the sixth or maybe even better than that most talented team. So when you go up against uh, most of the teams in the NHL, the Lightning can go ahead and, and outskill them and, and win more often than not. But the Leafs are one of the teams that perhaps has and that does have more talent than them. So I think playing a more, you know, road, quote unquote, like good road style of game really does benefit Tampa Bay. Um and I think that's what we saw a little bit in game two uh, and I'm sure it was on the road. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that for, for game three, uh, this is a very adaptable team, I think as well. Um, all right, let's move to uh, an interesting one because we kind of saw two, two different games that played out the same way, but with both teams taking a, a result, right? Like St. Louis and wild both had good blowouts, blowout wins. St. Louis took game one, Minnesota took game two. This is a series that I think a lot of people thought was going to be chaos. I think it's 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 going to end up. It seems like it's bubbling up towards that hype. I do wish that games were a little bit closer because I wish there was more reason to tune into these ones. But uh, it just hasn't been the case yet. Uh, but sort of like Tampa and Toronto, we didn't learn all that much just because uh, in game one, you know, the Blues were off and running, and with a game state like that, you don't really get to learn all that much about a, a, a matchup. And then in game two, the wild did the same thing. So you, you just, we haven't really seen a tight, how these teams are going to play in like a tight playoff game yet. I do think the blues are worth a bet here though, at this current price, right? Minus 120 at home, Minnesota's even money on the road. Uh, I think, you know, minus 125, minus 130 even is, is okay with, with St. Louis. I'm with you here. I think that uh, these two games, uh, they've been really, really interesting with these, with, with these four goal spreads. Like you said, there's, Nothing really you can you can take away from these games. Obviously, neither team is four goals better than the other team. So um, this series is going to get tighter as we move forward. We do need to check on uh, Nick Letty. Um, he did play an important role in uh, shutting down the wild forwards in game one, and we saw the potential impact of that when he was out in um, when he was out for game two. I'm with you here. I think back at home, uh, the Blues are a little short and. Um, I think that's probably an overreaction to um, the Wild winning that game. So um, I will be on the on the Blues as well, um, and I think that the Blues will will take money, and I think that line is going to uh, start shooting up. Yeah, Letty, um, Letty, Robert Bortuzzo, the are a couple of names to keep an eye on for the Blues blue line. Um, just 
it's it's not an incredibly deep team uh blue line the, the obviously the forwards are, are really really deep but the the defense isn't uh, and letty what I, I think you know he just flew under the radar as a as a good trade deadline acquisition where he kind of just put everybody in the right spot on that blue line including himself like he's a good skater so he he's rarely someone who, who gets caught out um and like you said he it's funny how in the playoffs like a player like Nick Letty really does matter. <laughs> and and when in the regular season, if he, if he was, you know, scratched from a Red Wings game or, you know, blues after they um, traded for him, it's like, what, what, what are we, what are we even fretting about? Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's just the rules of the players change, right? Like he's, he's, he's on against the top guys for the wild. We saw that in game one, um, we saw the potential impact in game two. So it, it, it's just the rules of the guys changes. And like, yeah, it didn't matter in the regular season, but now, as you get into different matchups um, throughout these games, and especially with St. Louis being at home, um, if they can get those right matchups, I think that that's going to, that's going to favor the blues here. Uh, The fourth game on Friday night, Friday, May 6th is Edmonton minus minus one forty. They're traveling to Los Angeles, uh, take on the Kings plus plus one twenty. the over under here, six and a half, another series. That's one, one. The Oilers looked much more like the Oilers from the second half of the season. Uh, in game two, I think once Leon Dreisaitl scored that first goal, everyone kind of took an uh, exhale. Mike Smith was pretty sharp. And now we're heading back to L.A. with a split rather than Edmonton down 0-2. Uh, and I think the Oilers are in range, minus 140. I think the, the theme with this team is trying to – there's going to be blips in the playoffs. And uh, no matter how long they're in uh, the tournament, trying my best, and, and I've failed with this team to do it. It's, I'm trying my best to avoid getting – falling into the trap of, you know, the Oilers are back. Mike Smith is, is back like this. I don't want to go near this team and just trusting the form that we saw under Jay Woodcroft for the 38 games where they played at 119 point pace uh, down the stretch. That is the same amount of points that the avalanche finished with. So the way Smith played uh, makes me think, okay, you know, the, maybe game one was the outlier and this guy is, is still in, going to be in good form you of course never know with him uh but i'm just going to trust it here uh and lay the minus 140 even on the road yeah I, you you go back to that game like everybody wants to talk about uh, about mike smith and at the end of the day that game was a coin flip laid and he made a mistake jonathan quick played extremely well in game one right so i think that you kind of need to look at these games just for what they are and just put it away right you go to game two Mike Smith has been in good form, right? Yeah, there were a couple of like things there in game one and in game two where where his positioning wasn't great, but that is who he is, <laughs> right? And we saw Jonathan Quick kind of revert back to what he has been this year, which has been pretty pretty inconsistent for the for the most part. So you know from the outset that you're going to get an up and down Jonathan Quick throughout the rest of the series. You know that Mike Smith is is going to show flashes of great form and he's also going to make his mistakes because that is who he is. So you would take those two elements out. Now you, now you look at the teams themselves. We know that going into the series, we, we talked about this. Are the Kings going to be able to keep up with the, with, with the Oilers? Do they have enough offensive firepower? We saw in game two, they struggled a little bit to generate that offense consistently, whereas the Oilers, of course, had no problem with that. So it's it, it, it's these kind of things that we need to kind of isolate when we're going from game one to game two and as, as we assess the different games. So I'm I'm with you here. 
Um, I'll probably be beyond the Oilers. I would like that price a little cheaper, but I'll see where it goes. But um, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to end up on the on the Oilers here again, which is I'm sure it's a big surprise. Yeah, our Oilers uh, trying to get out to a two one lead here. The Florida Panthers. Uh, we're flipping the page now to Saturday for those game threes. Uh, they looked like they were on a little bit of thin ice in the early going in game two. Next thing you know, uh, they're running away with it, putting up a, a crooked number against the Caps. Florida's minus 190 on the road against Washington, plus 160. The over-under here is six and a half. Um, there's a lot to unpack with Florida because we haven't seen them play well yet. And I just don't know if we are going to see them play well against this Washington team because Washington just looks committed to the bit. You got to give them a lot of credit. They look like they are just committed to gumming this game up, slowing Florida down, selling out to do that, and hoping like hell that Vitek Vanacek or maybe Ilya Samsonov uh, for game three can, can give them adequate goaltending to make that strategy stand up. It's just, man, the Florida, what, what the Panthers did show, I think, in game two was that even, even when, they, when they are thrown off script, they are good enough to, to win those games because the, the talent is, is just immense. They're so deep and we shouldn't just count them out. I think, I think maybe, uh, and I fell into this trap was, was thinking like, man, if, if Washington just plays this gummy game, Florida has no chance. Of course, that's not true. Um, they do. They, they are just a very, very talented side. And I think Sergei Bobrovsky has been playing pretty well as well. And, uh, that's not good for Washington. However, I mean, I'm closer to the caps here at this number, uh, at home, especially I think, uh, we could uh, we could see this this Florida team continue to be overpriced in the playoffs in this matchup, despite what we've seen in the first two games, which is a little confusing. Yeah, I played uh, Washington in um, game two again, and I I thought that they were fine for the most part there. I, I do agree with you. What Washington is doing, what they need to do at this point, right? Like you need to make this a grinding game and you just need to try to get this into a coin flip. And then you just you just never know. So I think that again, I'll probably be on Washington, um, Florida. They will be overpriced. Um, they do play a different game on the road. Uh, that's another thing to keep in mind. Although Washington also plays a different game at home, so the, those two things probably cancel each other out. But um, I will be on Washington again for the third straight game, and I just think that they're just doing what they what, what they need to do. And at the end of the day. Um, for us as betters, when we're playing big dogs like this, you just want to get into a coin flip lead. Mm-hmm. And I think that Washington does have that ability in this series. Yeah, they're, they're dra- doing a great job dragging Florida deep into the game. Um, I think the important thing, too, is is Florida, they just they want to get that separation early, too, and, and, turn, and force you to come out of your shell. And even when they did that against Washington, like they got the lead the Capitals were pretty disciplined and staying in, in their silence thinking, you know, whatever, like we're, we're down a couple goals here, but we're just going to continue uh, to, to kind of just see how, how late we can, we can get this game into being in, in at least in hand. And uh, it didn't work out in game two, but uh, what are you going to do? The Rangers and Penguins, they're now split after New York won a five, two game at the garden uh, in game two, Louis Domingue, <laughs> Uh, versus Igor Shosturkin, the best goalie in the NHL versus, I don't know what you'd say, Louis Domingue is 73rd, <laughs> 74th. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you talk, when you get to, when you get to the seventies in a, in a league where there's 64 goalies who have NHL jobs, uh, 
it's not good. So, but uh, yeah, I thought Deming was fine. He gave the Penguins kind of what they needed uh, for the most part. And if you look at five on five, the numbers are just glaringly better for Pittsburgh than they are for the Rangers. According to like public models, Pittsburgh's almost doubled up the Rangers in terms of expected goals. And this is, you know, maybe the, the, it's a little noisy because we've played you know, close to three games in the series because of the overtimes uh, compared to others. But Pittsburgh just at five on five, especially when that top line is out, is just dominating. Uh, Natural Statric has the high danger chance battle at uh, 47 at five on five for Pittsburgh and 19 uh, for the Rangers. The high danger goals, though, are, uh, are just five two. So, so Pittsburgh is having trouble, of course, getting by uh, Shesterkin, but they're not having trouble getting through the ra- a Rangers defense that improved uh, over the course of the season. So now the Rangers open as a favorite on the road. And that all just comes down to the goaltending matchup, which I said. So basically what you're asking yourself is, is that the Igor Deming gap is the gulf between the two goalies wide enough that you can lay minus 125 with a team that is likely, of course, it might not play out this way, likely to be outchanced um, in, in, at five on five. I just don't know, especially because I think this number on the Penguins will probably go up. Uh, and that really makes me think I'll be backing Pittsburgh because Sullivan will get the matchups he wants. He'll get, you know, Sidney Crosby's line out against Justin Braun and Brandon Schneider or Patrick Nemeth or whoever. So there are some signals here pointing to Pittsburgh, even, oh man, even with Louis Domingue. This series is a fascinating case, case study here. So going into this series, we said that Pittsburgh, of course, is the better team five on five. So everything that you're saying should not come as a surprise. We've, we've talked about this. We knew that, this would be the way that this series probably plays out. And then it's going to come down to goaltending. Um, with Igor, yes, he can steal games, right? But at some point in a short series like this, where you're playing the same goalie over and over again, he can steal it. But if you keep having this advantage five on five, you would think that at some point you're going to break through. Now, that's not to say that the Rangers won't make their adjustments, maybe... I don't know. They'll maybe they'll get better five on five. That's 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 something we can consider down the road. But at this point, with the way that the Penguins are are, are dominating this game, and, and and forget looking at the stats, you can watch the games and see five yeah. on five that the Penguins are the better team. But again, there's a goaltender there who we've been talking about all season that he's he can steal these games. So I do think that the Rangers are going to take money. I think right now. Um, right now, it's a fair number. Um, we'll probably wait for the Rangers money to come in. But if we get a little bit higher on the Penguins here, um, I'll be on them, like just out of principle, right? Like I like I know what my numbers are going to say. I'm going to get an edge on the Penguins and I'll be on them game three. And even though I love Igor, I won't be able to justify that price. Hey, Louis Domingue is a Canucks legend too. So uh, oh, you, you go, you yeah. Just, yeah, you just uh, never know. And, and one thing too is so, uh, you, you got the Igor edge for the Rangers. You got the the five on five play for Pittsburgh, and the the Rangers power play was I think you two for two for its first two and looks good. So the, you got to give the special teams edge to the Rangers, which power play has been really good all season. I think the way that Sidney Crosby's line is playing to, is is what and that's basically they've been what's been behind these incredible five on five numbers for uh, Pittsburgh. When you get that line the way it's cooking right now with Gensel and Russ both looking the part, Crosby obviously looking the part, 
when you're going to be seeing them taking on Ryan Reeves, you know, when, cause Mike Sullivan's going to get the matchups he wants when he can. And in these next two games at home, like you said, the, the Rangers will make adjustments too. We know that, but I think this, these numbers might maybe sure they, they, they might not get expanded on with Pittsburgh, but I just don't see them changing that much. I don't see the, the script of this series changing all that much um, in terms of Pittsburgh, just dominating a five on five and the Rangers doing their best to, to weather those storms, thanks to Igor, uh, and then let their high-end finishers do their, do their work. So it, like you said, it is, it's just a, it's just a funny uh, handicapping adventure here between these two teams, because it does, it is basically you're betting the goaltending matchup is just so wide uh, and projected to be so wide for, for at least game three. I mean, I, I really would be shocked if we see Tristan Jari for, for game three, I would put it at almost a 0% chance, but you never know. Um, the goaltending match is so wide and the, the number is still tight. Like we're getting Igor Shesterkin versus Louis Domingue and the Rangers are going to probably close what around maybe minus one thirty-five at the most. Yeah. That tells you something right about how the rest of the game is going. Um, it's, it's really, really interesting. All right. Uh, the other two games we'll talk about, uh, full disclosure here, Calgary and Dallas and, Nashville and Colorado are still playing their game twos. Um, but I think we'll have a pretty good idea of where these numbers will close based on what we've seen for the first two games. Uh, as of right now, it's man, give it credit to the Connor Ingram and the predators. It's one, one heading into the third Dallas ahead of Calgary, one, nothing in a reverse of what we saw in, in game one, where, where Calgary was at one, nothing. Uh, let's start with flames at stars. Um, Dallas was a really good home team this season. And I wonder coming off of, no matter what, what win or lose for Dallas, they, they've, they've done a good job of keeping the, I mean, it's one, one on aggregate in with, with one of the better teams. I thought this was going to end up being a mismatch in terms of the series. Dallas is doing what they do, which is like, they're just tough to beat no matter who you're, they're playing. They are a tough team to beat. And uh, I do wonder if we'll see this number on Dallas get into range for, for a bet at home where, like I said, they've been, they've been better and they can get that first line the matchup, of course, they need that top line of Hints, Robertson, and Pavelski to, to drive the bus. And at home, they should be able to get them away from people. So I do think that it'll be likely be Dallas or nothing for me here. Yeah, I'm with you here. I think that um, the the series is one game and almost two periods done here. Um, it pretty much going the way we thought. These are these are grinding, low scoring games. We mentioned that this is that these games should be should be under games. Um, I'm not seeing anything that's out of these five periods here that's making me deviate from that. So I think that we should continue looking at the unders. Um, I was a little, a little miffed, let's just say this morning when um, the uh, plus money five and a half got away from me pretty quickly. And I had to uh, get onto a price that I wasn't uh, completely satisfied with, but um, that's another story. So um, I think that um, even with the venue change, um, if this game stays true to, uh, to to being an under game, I think that we'll have a slightly juicier five and a half. And I'm still there on that number. So I'll probably be on the under again in game three and Dallas as well. I think that they're doing what they need to do. They're mucking this game up. Um, uh, Calgary's having trouble finding finding a lot of room and that's the way that Dallas is going to need to win this series so I think that there is going to be value on Dallas in game three as um, I'm sure as the as the Calgary narratives get uh, get get built into that line 
I, I mean, I do think it was true, right? Calgary looked incredibly comfortable, like seeing that game out yesterday. I thought it was impressive or uh, on uh, Tuesday was an impressive performance, but I just, I, I, and we love Daryl Sutter on the show, obviously. And we'll get, we're going to love him a lot more if he comes through with the Jack Adams, but it, it's, a, it is funny that everyone kind of just jumped on. Oh, that's exactly what the Calgary flames wanted to do. They wanted to win this one, nothing game. Daryl Sutter is going to hang that one up in, in a, in a museum. And while true, like I'm sure he, he, he enjoyed that game probably more than anybody on the planet. Uh, they, they do, they are trying to score more than one goal uh, in a game. Yeah. So uh, it's not, let's, let's just, uh, these, it was a masterclass in some respects, but I think Calgary would much rather have a, a wider margin there and, and maybe open things up a little bit because they are the deeper, more talented side. Uh, and you just don't want to let a team like Dallas hang around. All right, let's close out with Nashville and Colorado. This one will flip venues to Smashville. The Predators will be a big underdog at home. Um, it's kind of the same thing. Colorado's outplaying them in this game going on right now, even though it's 1-1. They just had a goal called back for a goaltender interference. It could very, you know, if Dave Riddick was in goal, this game could have maybe been out of hand by now. Um, that said, <laughs> I think it's going to end up being a similar story for me where I'm not even going to be close to Colorado. So I'll, I'll look at that national number, see where it goes. And um, you know, it's just not going to be fun. Cause I, you said it on the last episode, you learned your lesson with the abs and the blues in the first round and, and I'll take another year to learn mine. So um, I know it could be another national bet for me. I don't want to say that I don't want to overreact, but I am surprised at how this Nashville Colorado game is going right now. Um, obviously I thought that uh, Colorado was going to roll here all credit to Nashville. They are they are hanging around. They have a five on three right now as we speak. So they're hanging in there, man. Um, I think eventually, um, look, Colorado is going to win this series, right? It's just a matter of um, looking at the game by game prices. I can see where you're coming from. And I think at this point, like you look at this game right now, it's 1-1 in the third period. Connor Ingram is uh, is holding them in there. So I, yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, you got your coin flip here. So mm-hmm. um, I can't, and like with, with Nashville playing better at home, um, I can't get there. But at this point, I'm certainly not going to be blaming you either. And um, <laughs> I, I can see more, more so where you're coming from now. Oh, Preds. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, our favorite bets. We call this part of the show Top Shelf Bets. Our favorite bets for the Game 3 is coming our way on Friday and Saturday. Top Shelf, where Mama hides the cookies. I'll let you go first. I will be on the Blues. I think that um, a lot of this series is going to come down to the matchups, and I think that the that the Blues at home, they have a certain way that they want to neutralize the like the top end talent on the wild. And they also have more depth, um, especially with their forwards where they can kind of roll through their roll through their lines and get the matchups that they need. So um, I will be on the blues. I think that the number is short and I think that, that the market is going to be on the blues as well. So that's a move that we will be uh, making pretty early. For my favorite bet, I'll back the Edmonton Oilers in game three on uh, Friday night against Los Angeles Kings. Edmonton right now minus 140. It comes down to what Edmonton Oilers do you want to bet on? Are you betting on the Edmonton Oilers that showed up in game one? Are you betting on the Edmonton Oilers that we saw for the last 38 games of the regular season plus game two of the series? That includes Mike Smith, who looked like he snapped back into form uh, for an an impressive performance in in game two. So I'm just going to back the form here of Edmonton. And 
do my best to just not overreact to a one game uh, sample from game one where things came undone a little bit because of one mistake from Mike Smith. So I think you're still getting a little bit of a discount here on Edmonton, even uh, as a favorite on the road. So minus 140 for me uh, on the Oilers, I think is still in range. And that'll do it. Uh, another episode of Line Change is in the books. We have a fun weekend coming up. Uh, a bunch of game threes, game four on Sunday, Kentucky Derby weekend. Uh, and then we'll be back with you on Monday morning. So until then, we wish you the best of luck with all your bets. <laughs>